One of the things that I talk with clients about on X Twitter, frankly, with a lot of people, is this idea of starting or ending a relationship. And I'm not talking about a romantic relationship. I'm talking about close, intimate friendships with people that share common interests, that frequent the same locations, but yet still it's just so daunting to really get something started that can be well-meaning. And in this particular episode, we're going to dive into the reasons why it's hard to start a relationship and why it's normal, especially if you have survived abuse or chronic stress in your childhood or early adolescence and what you can do now to start a meaningful relationship. All right. If you're interested in all that, stay tuned after this short break and we'll get straight to it. Hey, 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 and we're back. Welcome to the Introverted Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is Denise Lee. I'm a life coach for business owners that specializes in traumas and addictions. Traumas and addictions are like two peas in a dysfunctional pod. They go well together because in order to be able to, quote unquote, I wouldn't say function, but to be able to navigate world we need a crutch, something to lean on to it. And it's frequently, it's a compulsion that's in full blossom goes into addiction. And if we're not careful about it, it can ruin our lives. And addictions are not not just to drugs and alcohol. It could be to people. It could be to status. It could be to fame. It could be to anything that you put on God level to the point where you risk your mental health, physical health, relationships, all to serve it. And if you have suffered with that type of gripping noose over your neck, then this podcast is going to be a breath of fresh air because I'm unapologetic about talking about the ways that stress and trauma and really bad things in the past, some of of our making, if we were to be honest, and some that was just misfortune on misfortune has caused us to not be able to see ourselves or a world around us clearly. And that's why we're having the hard conversations. Not to say that there isn't joy and happiness that can come through health and healing and happiness and personal development. I'm not saying that at, at all. This is just to say that we're going to talk about things that if you have hadn't had counseling you should be having. And if you are in counseling and you haven't been having these conversations, maybe it's a good time for you to really evaluate the mental health program that you're seeking. Just saying, just being flat out honest with you. That being said, if this is your very first time listening and you're interested in these kind of conversations, make sure you hit that follow subscribe button. I drop episodes Monday, Wednesdays, or Fridays. That way, as soon as I drop a new episode, you'll be able to listen to it lickety-split. And those of you guys who have been listening, let's make sure we're social on social media. Get it? Social on social media. Anyway, that's just my own lame joke there. I am on X Twitter at Denise G. Lee. There, you'll just get very unfiltered texts from me on communication, relationships, love, life, how we view each other, how we view other people. And 
I'm hoping that as we interact with one each with one another, you'll be able to see things in a perspective you haven't considered. And likewise, I'm always intrigued to hear your thoughts. So let's get social there. And if you are following me on Spotify, make sure you leave me a voice memo anchored at FM slash Lee or just follow the prompts on Spotify. And I love to hear your thoughts. It always excites me about what you've been learning, what you've been doing. And lastly, if you haven't done so already, visit my website, denisegelee.com. There you'll be able to read articles, sign up for my mailing list, inquire about working with me, take one of my courses, all sorts of fun stuff. So go ahead, check that out, denisegelee.com. Everything that I've talked about can be found in the show notes below. But with all of that, let's get into this conversation right now about starting and ending relationship. And this is a tricky one, especially for those of you guys who thought you had a quote unquote normal childhood. So I don't know about you, but for the longest time, I had people decide if they wanted to be with me or not. And I'm not talking about romantic. I'm I'm strictly talking about friendships, which ironically, as I think about it right now, every relationship should be a friendship. If it's going to be long-lasting and meaningful, hookups aren't friendships. Hookups are just two people bumping organs against one another until one person orgasms and then separates. Like, that's not a relationship. But for a lot of people, that's the only way they feel safe is through quick and personal interactions. But that's a whole different podcast. I'm sorry. Don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But anyway... I had people decide if they wanted to be my friend or not. I would. I just felt as if I had to be chosen, and it's and when they got tired of me or I irritated them enough, or I gave them all that they wanted from me, I was dismissed, passed aside, ghosted, never to be heard or seen, ignored, and when I think about it. All those people who I labeled as psychotic, narcissistic, sociopathic. If I had to be really honest with you, there was a small part of me that didn't recognize who they were. The warning signs, whether or not the relationship was even mutual or even how to enforce my own boundaries. And to be frank, what are boundaries if you're so busy trying to people please comply with everyone all the time because you're afraid of being rejected and not feeling comfortable with starting or making relationship decisions is normal normal if you grew up in an environment where nobody modeled healthy communication now when I say modeled healthy communication ideally you're in a family unit when you're growing up with a mother figure or father figure And when I say mother figure or father figure, I don't necessarily mean that your mom acted like a a woman and your dad acted like a man. There are feminine men. There are masculine women. Have you ever heard of the expression that the woman runs the house with an iron fist? That's not a feminine woman. That's That's someone who's competing, conquering, controlling. That's masculine tendencies. A feminine tendency is passive, patient, and vulnerable where you kind of just let things go with the flow and let everything happen. So when I say a masculine role and a feminine role, again, I don't mean a man and a female. It could be 
a family with two dudes, with one person acting more feminine or more masculine. Lesbian situation, same situation. Anywho, the point I'm trying to make is that if you're in a home, you learn and observe what passivity means. Did I say that right? Passivity. <laughs> passivity is. And you also see what controlling, dominating, directing looks like. And you, you observe that. And so you model that behavior with the people that you meet. One person is literally the leader and one person the follower. There's no two leaders because if there's two leaders in a situation, two heads bump together and it just explodes and just a, a, a bleep show of confusion and chaos. And likewise, you can't have two passive people because everybody will just kind of look at each other and say, well, what do we do? What do we do? Nothing ever gets done. If we in our observe in our home, the a masculine person behaving and a feminine person behaving, it gives us a good framework as to how we want to interact with people in a platonic situation. And again, romantic requires a heavily investment of your own self-awareness, individualization, this idea of you are okay even if the other person's not okay with what you decide to do or where you want to go, your decisions you have an idea of framework of how the world works apart from them. Have you ever noticed that some people, they literally just fall apart when a kid moves out, out of the house or relationship ends and they just want to, they just want to die. In some cases they kill themselves. I was reading the uh, story about a, a celebrity who literally killed herself because she, her husband filed for divorce and she just couldn't take it anymore. But it, you, we think it's tragic, and obviously it is, but what we don't think about is this person never learned to find their own identity. And the safest and the most healthiest way to find your own identity is in a non-romantic platonic situation. But if you haven't observed it, if you haven't seen it, you don't really know what that looks like. And to make matters worse, if you have been subject to any type of abuse... And when I say abuse, I'm not talking necessarily about physical, sexual, emotional abuse. Those are abuse. I'm also talking about neglect. I'm also talking about enmeshment where your mother or your father asked you to be the parent over them. And you were making really complicated decisions and you didn't really know what was going on. That's another form of abuse. If you had had to be the adult in the room as a kid or you were forced to help raise your own siblings or you I've, I've heard this a lot with especially my entrepreneurs where they were just high expectations of them to perform Olympic professional level at such a young age they were viewed as in a prodigy that they had to be someone someone different that especially in their family where there's generations lines of doctors or lawyers or whatever that that's really well known in your family that you had to keep on doing the things that represent quote-unquote what the family does that's abuse my friend that is abuse if you are subject to that constant criticism constant judging constant evaluation and that really messes up your brain and so as a result it's hard to have healthy relationships with peers your own age to relate well with teachers to relate with well with bosses anyone 
because in your mind, there's no frame of reference of what's healthy, normal, and appropriate because everything was abnormal and totally inappropriate. And so let me give you some other reasons why it's hard if you're listening to this and you're like, you know what, I'm 25, 45, 55, <coughs> and I haven't really had a really good relationship. I haven't, Denise, I haven't been able to really connect well. And I want to let you know that I'm going to give you some reasons why it's hard. And as you're listening to this, I want you to, you know, make a mental note. If you're, if you have something to write with, write it down. And because we're going to dig a little bit in deeper into that, because I don't think it's enough for you to listen to a podcast and say, well, that's awesome, Denise. Now I know I'm really screwed up. And this is why, like, let's not, let's not just do that. There's, we're going to move past the problem and get into the possibilities. Okay. That being said, I'm going to list out all the reasons why it's, it's normal to struggle in finding a healthy relationship. If you have suffered through a lot of stress or trauma as a young adult or as a child. Okay. Trust issues, low self-esteem, social anxiety, difficulty expressing your emotions, attachment issues, boundary issues, repetition of patterns, isolation. I want to talk about all of that in more detail right now. The number one is trust issue for for good reason. Childhood trauma often involves a breach of touch, whether it's through abuse, like I mentioned earlier, neglect or some other form of mistreatment. And if you're a survivor of that, you may find it difficult to trust others because you always fear that it's just only a matter of time when it's going to happen to you. And as I'm saying this, there's a lot of us who are assigning labels to people based on just hints of things that remind you of past abuse. And before I say give it the benefit of the doubt, I want to say that I want you to honor those feelings because they are real and valid. I've, I remember a, a, maybe a couple years back, I was talking with a guest about this idea of schizophrenia and paranoid delusions. And the fact of the matter is, even in the most heightened of paranoia or the moment where they, they're imagining things, there's always a little element of truth to it. Otherwise, their brains wouldn't be signaling that there's something off or there's something to be worried about. But it's up to our minds to be able to discern whether or not our alarm bells are actually based on real evidence or it's just based on an overstimulated nervous system. I talk with my clients more in depth about what that looks like if their mind is playing tricks on what's really happening with reality. Okay. But anyway, let's move on to another, the next one, low self-esteem. Trauma can really affect you, and, and not in a good way, your self-esteem and your self-worth. And as a result, you may have feelings of shame, not feeling that you're worried, guilt, things that, wishing that you could turn the clock back and do things differently, even though the, the people may be long gone or may not even be necessary or just feeling inadequate, that you're not even worried about being with certain people. You know, I remember when I was dating my now husband, 
I we I took him to a Christmas party and I told him to not talk to the certain people in the room because they seem like senior executives and we we couldn't enjoy each other's company. And my husband looked at me like that's preposterous. They're all human beings enjoying themselves on a holiday party. But if you have low self-esteem, you always feel like there are people that are just forbidden. You couldn't you can't talk with them for whatever reason. Okay? Social anxiety. Oof. Oof. Social anxiety is, an, is another big one. When you've been traumatized, it can lead to your fear of just interacting with people because there's always this constant fear in your mind of being judged, rejected, and criticized. And if you're always thinking that there's a target on your back, you're always suspicious of the intentions of someone. That, that maybe they don't necessarily enjoy your, your company. Maybe they want something out of you. Again, it's that paranoia that comes out. Is it real? Or do you need more evidence? But social anxiety says, no, let's just shut this one down. We can't even take that risk. Difficulty expressing emotions. If you've been traumatized as a child, you have problems regulating if you're happy or sad or upset or mad. You just go, it's like a ping pong ball. Like you're, you're going from bump to bump to bump. And as a result, you don't even really know how to explain to anyone, including yourself, what's, what's going on. And as a result, you can't really connect with an emotion, on an emotional level with anyone because you don't really know where you're coming, you're going emotionally. I'm, I'm thinking about one particular person that I try to befriend. And every time I talk with her, she always seemed like she was on the brink of an anxiety attack. And I always ask her, are you okay? And she said, I'm fine, I'm fine. But her body was saying, no, I'm not okay. But she was so disconnected from her own body, she didn't realize what was going on. Okay, so I talked about trust issues, low self-esteem, social anxiety, difficulty expressing emotions. Bear with me. It's really important that I dig in, into this because as you're listening to this, you may un it may help you understand on a deeper level, okay, this is why I really struggle with connecting with people. Okay? Let's talk about attachment issues. If you, there's only three ways for us to attach with people. What, about, what, what is it, like, 40% of us have secure attachment issues, uh, secure attachment, where we're okay, whether someone takes us or leaves us. Of course, nobody wants to be ignored or rejected, but if they don't like us, we're okay. That's secure. Some of us are avoidant, where we don't even want to try to even risk it. And we we put up walls, emotional walls. We say we're busy or we uh, or we display or for our body language, we are not available. Or we're anxious where we're afraid of losing some, someone. So we'll call someone five, ten times a day. We'll always check up on them if they're, seeing, if they're online. We always, we're paranoid if there's, they're going to get attached to somebody else. So most of us, if we grew up in a healthy family, are secure. But unfortunately, a lot of us are either secure, uh, are anxious or avoidant or, and I didn't mention this other one, disorganized, which is a happy blend. I shouldn't say happy. It's actually sad. A blend of disor of anxious as well as avoidant. And I think about my father where as long as you gave him the tension on his terms, on his way, he was good. And then if he, tr if you showed a little too much interest or got in 
too much into his comfort zone, he'd back away and try to avoid you. There's a lot of people who are avoidant or and disorganized that way in terms of not knowing if they really want to relate because the fear of rejection or the fear of being found out as human is scary. Okay. Boundary issues. Whew. Knowing where you begin, knowing where someone ends is scary. Some of us have been in families where mom or dad or whoever was lord over everyone and there there was no such thing as privacy or boundaries or respecting each other's wishes everybody just trampled on one another and it may be hard to know how to start because you were always so used to having some aggressive dominating person take over your life literally and you thought that was normal so the only relationships that feel good and normal to you are with aggressive people I don't know your issues per se. I mean, I'm just talking generalities. But that's for some people who really struggle with relationships is because they only want to be around aggressive people because it feels just like home. Repetition of patterns. You know, if you go on my website, denisehealy.com, there's a big banner that says, Know Your Life Script. And life script is basically the patterns and the behaviors that were learned during your traumatic experiences as a child earlier adult right and if it was kind of like your rule book for how you learned to live life and for a lot of us what worked well in our childhood home unit is disastrous for us as adults and if you're curious about what your life script is visit that website click on the banner life script i think i also leave a link in the show notes below it's a free 10 15 minute quiz take your time answer it you'll and it'll kind of give you some prompts to figure out what life script that you're working on right now. And rem- and life scripts can change. They're malleable. They're not like just fixed and, sta- and sand and you can never change it. It just takes a lot of self-awareness on your part on whether or not you want to continue living the way you're living right now. Okay. Lastly, um, isolation. For a lot of us who have been hurt deeply from the people who are supposed to take care of us, from the people who are supposed to give us a safe landing spot, we they just showed through their behavior that they were unsafe and by extension the world was completely unsafe. And so the best way to deal with life was to avoid it. And so that desire to isolate can be still present I was thinking about one, well, I wouldn't call him a friend anymore, but someone I used to, I, I was I, I was friendly with in the past. I remember when he announced that he was teleworking, he was like, oh, I always I always wanted to do it, it was now his time. But I, always, I knew him, and I knew he was socially avoidant because of his own uh, unresolved trauma issues. And so as you're listening to this, trust issues, low self-esteem, social anxiety, difficulty expressing emotions, attachment issues, boundary issues, repetition of patterns, and isolation, what... Which area is like, oh my gosh, I really struggle with social anxiety, Denise. Or my life script of it's don't think. I don't know what it is, but I just don't feel safe trusting my own judgment because all the people that I've met were always so darn dangerous. And if that's your situation, if that's where you you are right now, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say, well, it's going to be okay because... Nothing's going to be okay 
unless you change. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, in the time that we have remaining, is I want to give you some tips about how to start a new healthy platonic relationship. And this is not just something that is, as, as soon as you listen to this, you're like, oh, okay, boom, I got this. I'm never going to have any problems. Like this is going to be ebbs and flows of, and trials and errors of, of relating well with yourself, relating well with other people. And it takes about 200 hours for anyone to go from stranger to close friend and even more to maintain it. So as you're listening to this list, don't think that, oh, wow, Denise, like, I got this. Give yourself the, the breath, the, the, the space, the room to say, hey, you know what? I may mess up. In fact, the, the odds are high I may mess up because I'm learning these new tools as akin to uh, a toddler trying to ride a bike. Nobody goes from riding a bike to doing tricks <laughs> instantly. It takes time. You're going to fall down. You might scrape yourself up. You might, you know, get egg on your face. It's, it might be a hot mess. But as long as you actually get back up and keep trying, that's what matters. And I was going to say this at the end, but I want to say this right now. If you have been traumatized, if you had a very stress-filled childhood and you're going through this, you may be very attractive to people who are narcissistic, meaning self-focused, sociopathic, opportunist, psychotic, not really in touch with reality because of your newly formed boundaries, respecting yourself, respecting your idea of safety. So I highly advise if you haven't done so already, make sure that you have support. If if you're not working with a therapist, if you, um, get a therapist. If you rather work with a coach like myself, my links in the show notes below so you can connect with some um, with me. I just don't want you to try to do this solo because for a lot of us, I mean, as us as human beings, I think we all believe that we all can figure it out on our own. But when we have dealt with such deep pain and insecurities, it's really easy on our part to rationalize the intolerable. So please, please, please have support from people who have modeled and demonstrate healthy, appropriate communication and interpersonal relationship skills. Because this is not something that is easy, if, especially if you grew up in a family where there's yelling and screaming and fighting or distant, or people were playing games, being distant, like all that stuff. Be gentle with yourself. And get support. And with that being said, I want to go through my my tips about how to start a platonic, healthy relationship. Okay, first and foremost, be friendly. Two, find common interests. Three, initiate the conversation. Four, listen actively. Five, invite them to activities. Six, be yourself. And lastly, respect boundaries so let's get into all of them again okay number one is be friendly i mean nobody wants to be friends with someone who looks cantankerous i just have to say that out loud and if you're meeting around someone and the energy is all low and negative odds are you guys are going to build on a negative energy energetic wavelength and that's going to open the door through miscommunication and dysfunction and all sorts of drama and i don't think you need that right now so being friendly means being smile, making eye contact, showing general interest with positive energy. It's not just that you are 
approaching them, but you're showing, hey, I'm a normal, healthy, stable person that knows how to maintain their own emotions and relate well with other people. And I smile, I say that because it just seems so darn daunting for me. It may be daunting for you right now, but trust and believe that being friendly takes practice. So if you want to look down and avoid eye contact, I understand, resist it. The more you train yourself away from those old habits that once kept you safe, you will learn better habits to relate well with better with people. All right, number two, find common interests. Look, here's the thing, here's the thing. When we were people-pleasing, when we were codependent, we were just going to be everything to everyone. Oh, yeah, I'm into skateboarding when you're really into bowling. Oh, yeah, I'm totally into electronics when you're into sci-fi. Let's be legit about the things that we really like and go into places where people are actually doing what we like to do. If, even if we're doing it by ourselves. When we're connecting on things that we have a mutual interest, it really lubricates and greases the well of communication and we can be able to be ourselves and be at ease. People can pick up on stress. People can pick up when you're not feeling comfortable. And why make yourself trying to connect with somebody while you're feeling uncomfortable? Like, that sucks. Like, don't do that. And initiate conversations seems easy, but it's not. Because again, we're, fear, we're fearing rejection. So asking simple questions about how's the weather, how's the day, like, what do you think about this? And pay attention to how they're reacting. If they're not really interested in having the conversation, take that as a cue and say, okay, go about your business. For a lot of us, we're not paying attention to the nonverbal cues. Or maybe we're overly paying attention to the um, cues and we're thinking that every single bodily reaction is a snub against us maybe they just have something up their nose maybe they just need to scratch their nose maybe they have like they got a pee and that's why they're fidgeting it may not be about you in fact i promise you it's really never about you but we don't know unless we initiate something and if we are talking with them listen act actively this is not a time where you're trying to fill up every single moment of silence and in fact sometimes silence is good silence gives you time to think silence gives the other person time to think silence gives everyone space allow that space to happen that's okay that's part of communicating sometimes being alone with being in a room with someone and not speaking is a form of connection and i'm not saying you're you're staring at the phone and the other person's staring at the phone that's not connection at all okay that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about actually being connected with someone and being okay that we're all human. We're all trying to figure things out and nobody's perfect. And sometimes we may even put our foot in our mouth from time to time. Lord knows I do. Okay. Once you have that camaraderie going, this is where you have to keep the ball rolling, invite them to activities grabbing a cup of coffee, going for a walk. I, my, my husband, he has a standing uh, Friday morning walk with a friend that he met in a, 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 a course that he took, and he still does it he, over a year. He's, he's loving it. Once we make the commitment, keep it going. And look, here's the thing. Activities is a mutual thing. If you have to drag someone to want to connect with them, after this third or fourth time, take as a hint that they're not interested in you. 
And it's not about you. It's all about them. You want to be around people who love your company, that will invest the time, that see value in the conversation. There is no reason to try to push or force yourself into trying to connect with someone who has shown that they don't respect you, they don't respect anything that you talk about, your interests or your hobbies, or they just view you as someone as a means to end to get something. You don't have to do that, okay? And while you're doing it, be yourself. Authenticity is key. This is the time you want people to see the real you. You don't have to pretend to be someone you're not. You don't have to, like, keep everything. I mean, look, here's the thing. The first three months of being everybody, we're all trying to, you know, be beautiful, wealthy, healthy, and sexy and show that we're, we've got it all together. And then the kind of the once we get comfortable, the, the mask kind of falls and we show people the fact that we've gotten to dud. We've... We burp, we fart, we we do not so polite and beautiful things. We get upset, we get irritated. That's part of being human. And if you don't like that within yourself, then that's probably why you may not like it in other people. The the humanness of humanity of of who we are, and that's why again, if you're struggling with connecting with people, professional counseling, coaching. Like can help you to be able to relate well with people by understanding that we're all humans and we're all making mistakes. But we're all should be getting better. And lastly, part of starting a relationship is boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. Understanding not just your personal space, but understanding like what topics you feel comfortable talking with. If somebody wants to know like all your lovers, your favorite sex position, like your deepest fears and like the first week or first day, couple days of knowing you, that is a giant red flag. Most healthy, normal, I shouldn't say healthy, I should say healthy, normal. I would say healthy people these these days, (laughs) healthy, don't feel as if they have to rush intimacy. They're viewing it as a long-term thing things will be learned. I mean, I've been married to my husband for almost 12 years. I'm still learning things about him. It's a long-term thing. We don't, obviously I have, I've clocked in a lot of hours with him already, but the fact of the matter is we're always learning and growing and understanding each other. And we don't do that by trying to rush things quickly. So take your time and get to know people. Give that space for people to see who you are. But the utmost thing for you to understand is be clear about what you're comfortable and not comfortable with physically emotionally sexually if you decide to take it to the next level understand that be up front and clear about that so there's no mystery okay well that is it i as you're listening to this being friendly finding common interests initiating conversations listening actively inviting them to activities, being yourself and respecting boundaries. What area do you need to work on the most? I'd love to hear from you. Connect with me on X Twitter, Denise Lee. Send me a message on Spotify. Send me a message on my website, DeniseLee.com. I'd love to hear from you either way because I truly believe that if we don't have these conversations, nobody gets well. Nobody does better. And if you really enjoyed this podcast episode, make sure that you obviously Hit the follow subscribe button if you haven't done so already and share this podcast with other people. That way we can amplify this message far and wide. Well, thank you so much for listening. Take care and be awesome.